0: Welcome to Chaos Theory Tales Askew. Dwarven Science Fiction Terrorism Sustained Adventure You can find it all in just space at Chaos Theory Tales Askew. This is part three of the short story, Fear of a Blue Goo Planet, by David Tallerman, as regaled to us by the chaotic centurion. I looked around the hole desperately, trying to get my bearings. What with the wreckage and the sick green light and my fear, the inside of the shuttle seemed just as alien as the planet outside. There was a door over to one side, and I leapt through it, lashing out at a button marked LOCK. The door slammed shut behind me, and an instant later I was in darkness, too pitch black for my helmet to do anything about. I stumbled over something, fell hard against the metal wall, and realized where I was. I'd just sealed myself in the cargo-based toilet. Things were fairly crazy for the next few minutes. I sat on the can with my arms wrapped around my head with nothing but blackness to see, trying not to hear the sounds coming from outside, the muffled shrieks, fists banging over and over against the door. I started laughing because it all seemed too ridiculous, and then I started crying for the same reason. After a while, I realized the noises had stopped, but I didn't take my hands off my ears. I tried not to think about the fact that my life had come down to a choice between sitting there till I suffocated or starved, or opening the door and facing what was outside. I tried not to think about anything much, and I was doing a pretty good job of it until something caught my attention. It took a moment for me to realize that it was the sampler beeping and flashing to tell me that it had finished its analysis. That brought me back to my senses. I guess to do my job you have to be basically more curious than you are afraid. I'd forgotten about the sampler and its analysis of the blue goo, but now that I was reminded that it seemed like the only thing that was important in the world, I was actually excited. So when I looked at the sampler's tiny screen and saw what it had to say, it was a hell of a disappointment. Of the three hundred and some tests that it had conducted, it had managed to come up with answers to seven, and what those answers added up to was the goo was alive.
1: Everything else,
0: did it eat, did it reproduce or respire, was it carbon-based, was it intelligent, was it animal, mineral, vegetable, anything else brought back the same reply over and over, inconclusive. Even science, it seemed, had abandoned me. I started laughing again, I cried some more, and then finally, I fell asleep. When I woke, I felt felt sure sure that it it was was because someone had called my name and I blinked at the darkness, not remembering where I was or how I'd gotten there, but feeling a vague sense of relief that someone had spoken to me, though I couldn't think why that would be a big deal. I was groggy, and it came back slowly, the terrible realization that there was no one left to talk to me, because everyone I knew for a billion miles around was dead. There was a tapping noise from outside, steady and insistent like rain, there was nothing threatening about it until it was interrupted by that moan sound that Connors had made when I first found him that sounded like someone trying to say cheese. Although it didn't sound so much like cheese anymore. Chief? It had to be my mind playing tricks on me. There was no way on earth I was about to answer. Chief, Are you gotta be in there all day? Because, because there's a queue a out here, and I've I got guess, to say that you've been acting kind of nuts, and we were hoping that maybe you'd come out and talk to us so we can all start thinking about getting off this rock. You're dead, Connors, it was all I could think to say. There's no need for threats, Chief. I'm sorry if I startled you, but... No, no, I, I mean I shot you. You're dead. You, were dead. you were dead before I shot you. Well, there's a story there, but I can't really explain with you in there and me out here, so if you could just open the door... You'll, you'll, I don't know, you'll eat my brains or something. And all the time we've worked together, have I ever tried to eat your brains? I had to admit he had a point there. Well, no. Have I ever lied to you? Ever given you any reason not to trust me? No. Come on, Chief, open the door. I was still feeling pretty edgy, but Connors was right. We'd worked together for five years. He was my friend and a damn good first officer, and I trusted him with my wife. "'and maybe he was dead, but he certainly sounded okay, "'and I figured that even dead he was probably "'a lot more trustworthy than a lot of people. "'So I pressed the button, and the door slid open. "'They were all there waiting for me, "'Connors and Reed and Lehman and Alterski, "'sat and standing around the mangled cargo hold. "'They looked glad to see me. "'It was day now, and they looked pretty rough "'in their tattered suits with patches of lurid blue "'splashed over bare skin, but they looked "'more than anything like my crew, "'and I realized I was glad to see them, too.' Connors was in front in the worst state, half of his face saturated with goo and another patch over his chest, where I'd shot him the night before, I realized. But even that didn't look so bad in daylight. It was weird, all right, like someone had tried to treat his injuries with plasticine, like some alien skin graft. Connors must have seen the look on my face, the realization, because he said, Yeah, blue goo makes you better. It fixed us. And you were dead. Yeah, I think I was, but I'm not now. I tried to tell you last night, but you were pretty freaked. But how do I know it's know not controlling you? you? I don't know, like some it's kind of symbiote, symbiote or fungus or something like that. that. How do how I know, know it's really you talking? Because, and he pointed at my leg, Blue Goo fixed you too, Chief. Looking down, I didn't know what he meant at first until I turned my leg enough that I could see the back where the suit was completely torn away and the patch of indigo that was stretched all the way down my thigh and calf. It's all over your back as well, Connors added, and when I reached around I could feel it, soft and pliable beneath my fingers, running the length of my spine. Finally, I looked up, back up at Connors and then at the rest of my crew, my obviously alive crew, and in spite of everything, perhaps because of everything, I grinned. (laughs) It's good to see you guys, I said. The rest, I guess, is history. We should have been dead ten times over, even if we could have survived the crash. The atmosphere would have poisoned us in milliseconds. It didn't. The goo got to us first. Like Connor said, it fixes stuff. It started us working again. It mended our injuries. It adapted our lungs so that we could breathe an alien atmosphere. And later we found that we could live quite happily on alien food and water as well. The rescue crew that eventually turned up a month after our crash landing found us hale and hearty and damn sight healthier than we'd ever been before. That didn't stop them from keeping us in quarantine for the next year and a half as every conceivable test and analysis conducted on us, on the goo and on other flora and fauna from the planet. It seemed too good to be true. An organism that repaired organic tissue, a purely altruistic life form with no other agenda than to keep other living things living. They could see that it opened up boundless possibilities, the least of which was a cure for all-known sickness, the most the possibility of immortality. Over a year and a half, they could find no side effect whatsoever, nothing to suggest that it was in any way harmful, and at the highest levels, they debated what to do with our discovery and what to do with us. Was it too great a risk to release blue goo into the public? Could anyone justify not doing so when countless lives were being lost needlessly every day? I can see that someone had a tough choice to make and I'm glad it wasn't me that had to make it because they still don't know exactly how it works but they know it's smart in its way a hell of a lot more advanced than we are. I think, I hope, that they've done the right thing and I believe them when they say that it's only temporary that we won't be here forever. At least this place, this world that the handful of people who know of it have nicknamed the Blue Goo Planet at least it's better than the Quarantine Labs It's almost almost come come to feel like like home, and they they take take good care of us. I believe them when they say that our situation situation is under review. I I I, I do. do. You could could say say that that we we were unlucky crashing here. here. You You could could say say we we were lucky finding what we did. All All I know is, in my dreams, I see my wife and kids, and in my nightmares, they get sick, and they get hurt, and they grow old, and they die. And every morning I wake up, I who will never get sick, who can't be injured, who may never age, Every morning I wake up here without them. If you enjoyed this story, you may find more at Chaos Theory Tales Askew, located at www.genspace.com, spelled G-E-N-S-P-A-C-E dot com. Just click the top eyeball. You'll know what I mean.